I'd like you to turn in two places this morning. First, I'd like you to turn to 1 John chapter 4. So 1 John chapter 4. While you're turning there, Children's Church, you are dismissed. 1 John chapter 4. Once you get to 1 John, I'd like you to mark that because we're going to go back to that chapter later. So mark 1 John chapter 4. And once you have 1 John chapter 4 marked, Turn back to John, uh, John chapter 13, John chapter 13. So we're going to mark 1 John chapter 4. And then once we have 1 John marked, we'll turn back to John chapter 13, because John chapter 13 will be our text this morning, John chapter 13. And uh, we started a new Sunday morning series last week called One Another. And what is it, it, is, it is about is about how we interact as Christians, how we interact as church members, how we interact with each other. Last week we talked about edifying one another. And this morning we're going to talk about loving one another. So last week was edifying one another. This week is love one another. Let's start by reading in John chapter 13. We're going to read verses 31 through 35. Of John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is gathered in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, as I said unto the Jews, whither I go. Ye cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Like I said, the title of my message this morning is Love One Another. Let us pray. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity, Lord, to be with you this morning. And Lord, I pray for the message that we're about to preach. And Lord, I pray that you'd be with it today. I pray that you'd bless it, bless us, as we're in the house of God to receive your word. Thank you for all you've done for us. In Jesus Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. Now in this passage of scripture this morning, I want to set the scene a little bit for you. Jesus has come to the end of it. Jesus knows that his hour is at hand. And is very soon he will start his long march to the cross. Jesus and his disciples had just had the last supper. That was done. Uh, the supper was over. Jesus had just got done washing the disciples' feet. He had just sent Judas Iscariot away to go betray him. Judas had just left. I mean, Judas had just walked out the door. He's about to take his disciples and they're about to go outside and they're going to begin to march toward the Garden of Gethsemane. They're about to start on that long walk to the garden. But before that, before that, Jesus does something very interesting. Jesus gives the disciples and in turn, me and you, he gives us a new commandment. 
a new commandment. This is this is kind of out of this is kind of strange. This is a this new commandment that Jesus gives us about the act of love is a profound uh, commandment. It changed the whole the whole way that the world looks at love. It was literally a game changer completely. Now, you may think love is love and love has always been love and always love always will be love because love is love. And you'd be wrong because what Jesus is about to tell the disciples changed everything from that point when Jesus made this statement throughout all of eternity. Love will never be the same. Why? I'll tell you this morning, because God, Jesus Christ, he changed some aspects about love. And in changing these aspects, he, he changed the whole game. So what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to go ahead and jump into my message because I have a lot of material to go through this morning. I have three aspects of love that Jesus changed for us. Here's the first one. The first aspect of love that, that Jesus changed is he changed the measure of love, the measure of love. Let's, let's read verses 33 through the first part of 34. Little children, yet a little while I am with you, ye shall seek me. As I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Now I want you to notice there in verse number 33 that Jesus called his disciples little children. And he did this to let them know the kind of love he had for them. Um, let me tell you something. I remember when my wife got pregnant with our first child. Um, it was an exciting time. We were ready to have a child. And uh, I thought I was going to be prepared to love that little baby. But it wasn't until I actually held that baby in my hands that I experienced that type of love. I thought I knew what I was going to expect, but I had no clue. I had no clue what to expect until I actually held Colin in my hands for the first time. I had never experienced that type of love. Oh, and if only they would stay that cute forever. But they get older, they get uglier, and they eat more and more, and they don't listen to you, and, 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 and you get angry at them, and you get on to them. But you know what? You look at that child, however old he or she be, uh, gets eventually, you look at them, and when you look at them, you, you always think back to that little baby you held. Even if, it's a, even if your son's a grown man, you look at that grown man and you think, man, he was, a, he was a little baby that I held in my hands. And when you think back to the love you had for that small child, you can't stay, long, stay mad for long. This is how Jesus had just described to the disciples. Jesus said, this is how I love you. I love you like a new father holding his child for the very first time. I love you like a new mother holding her child for the very first time. That's how I love you. 
And that is how I want you to love each other. Because he turns around and he says something very interesting. He tells us to love each other like he loves us. And then he calls it a new commandment. A new commandment? This is strange. Why a new commandment for love? The Jews already had a commandment for love. The Jews already had one. You know what it was? It was this. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That was the love they had. That was the, the, the principle of love that they had. And the Jews were very familiar with it. And the Jews understood this concept. And the Jews abided by it as best they could to love thy neighbor as thyself. Because that was the kind of love they were commanded to do in the Old Testament. However, the kind of love that Jesus is proposing right now is very different from that. You see, the world had never seen this type of love before. The world had never experienced it. You know why? Because no one like Jesus had ever lived before. No one like Jesus had ever walked this earth. No one had like Jesus had ever breathed the air here. No one like Jesus had ever slept a night on the earth. So when Jesus got here, it was brand new. And the kind of love that he brought to the table was different from the love we had experienced, was different from the love they had had. It was a different love that for anybody had experienced who had ever, who was living on the earth at that time, or whoever lived, or whoever will live, it was completely and completely different you know why it was different because the type of love that jesus is proposing it changes the measuring stick the measuring stick is different okay i don't know about you but if you've ever tried to measure something without a measuring tape it's a very frustrating thing i've been to where i've had to make a cut on a board and i only had one shot and i didn't have a measuring tape so I did the Old Testament cubit with the elbows, trying to get it right, and it's never right. And uh, it's always better when you measure twice and cut once. And uh, so it's always better when you have a, a, a measuring tape, okay? And what Jesus did with this new love, this new commandment that he brought to us is he changed the measuring stick. You know what the first measuring stick was? Let me read for you Leviticus 19.18. Here's the first measuring stick. It says, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. So you know who the, who the first measuring stick is? The first measuring stick was me and you. We were the measuring stick. Because Jesus is saying, Love others, or God was saying in Leviticus, love others like you love yourself. So who was the measuring stick? It was me. But what did Jesus say, in, Jesus say in John 13, 14? Jesus said, you're not the measuring stick anymore. I'm the measuring stick. So you take your measuring stick that's old and outdated and you get rid of it. I'm the new measuring stick. Jesus is the measuring tape. Who in here would not lay down their life for their children or lay down their life for any of their uh, kids and their family, nieces, nephews, it doesn't matter. But who would not do that? I know I would. I know I would do that in a second. Why? Because what I'm doing is when you say you're doing that is you're loving them more than you love yourself. And that's key here. That's the key to this love. The key to this love is loving others 
more than you love yourself. Let me read for you John 15, 12 through 13. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So that's the key to this. The key to this type of love, the type of love that we should share between each other, the type of love that the children of God, the brothers and sisters in the church house, the kind of love we should share is the kind of love that loves someone else more than they love themselves. So we say, okay, how come, how, come he, how come Jesus and God, how come they didn't say this from the beginning? How come they didn't tell us to do this back in Leviticus? Why did they wait to the New Testament? Why did they wait to the book of John? Why did they wait 4,000 years to tell, about, tell us this when they could have told us this back in the beginning? I'll tell you why. Because until Christ walked this earth, we had no concept of this type of love. We could not perceive of the type of love that Jesus is talking about until he walked this earth and gave us an example. And the Bible says that. The Bible says that right here in 1 John 3, 16. It says, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We couldn't understand the love of God. We couldn't even perceive it. We couldn't conceive it. It couldn't come in our minds until Jesus laid down his life. Until Jesus came here. Until Jesus did what he did, me and you could not wrap our heads. It sounds easy to me and you now. Oh, it sounds easy to us now. But until Christ come, if Christ had never come, we would not be able to wrap our heads around the type of love that Jesus is talking about here. Because what he did is he changed the measuring stick. So our love for one another should be just like Jesus. Limitless. Jesus is limitless. And if Jesus is limitless, that's the type of love me and you should have for each other. Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. I am to prefer you over myself. Everything has a limiter on it. Everything has a limiter. Your muscle has a limiter and it's called potential growth. Your, your, your muscle, you can work a muscle out. Man, you can work it out. And you can get that muscle big and you can get that muscle strong. But at some point, that muscle is going to hit its potential growth and it's going to quit growing. And you can go all you want to do and you can work at all you want to work out and your muscle is not going to get any bigger because it has a limiter. It has a limit to how strong it can get. That's why guys use anabolic steroids to try to go past that limit. What happens is, is they retain water because they, that water in their muscles makes their muscles bigger. And, but then what that water in their body also does, it, one day they'll have congestive heart failure because all that fluid they have on their body. And that's why you see bodybuilders and wrestlers die at 40 because they're pumped up on steroids, because they tried to go past their limiter, and you're not supposed to do that. There, you have a limiter for a reason. Planets have a limiter. You know what the plan, a planet limiter is? It's, it's gravity. Gravity is a planet limiter. Take a planet like Jupiter. You can't get much bigger than Jupiter, because if you did, the gravity from all that atmosphere would collapse in on itself, and it'd turn into a star. 
So you can't have a planet bigger than the sun. You can't do it. Gravity is a limiter that won't allow it to get that big. Everything has a limiter, even us. Our love has a limiter. You know what the limiter on our love is? It's me and you. It's ourselves. We are the limiter of our love. But you know what Jesus can do? Jesus, uh, 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 Jesus can take that limiter off. You see, a person without Christ cannot love another as much as they love themselves. They can't do it. They, can't, they will always love themselves more than other people. But Jesus can take that limiter off. Jesus can take the limiter off of you, can get yourself out of the way and say, don't love, don't love others as much as you love yourself. Love others more than you love yourself. Just like I did. Just like when I left heaven and I was born of a virgin and I died on that cross and they nailed me to that cross and I give my life and I shed my blood so you could go to heaven and I lay down my life for you because I love you more than I love myself. That's how I want you to love each other. That's how I want you to love the brethren. That's how I want you to love another Christian. I want you to prefer them above yourself and love them more than you love yourself because the measuring stick has been taking off let me tell you something this morning the infinite christ can take your limiter off and allow you to love like him number one this morning aspects of love that christ changed number one is the measure of love and number two is the motive of love the motive of love. Let's look back at verse number 34. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. Watch this. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Now that phrasing reminds me of another verse in Scripture. And it's 1 John 4.11. 1 John 4.11 says, Behold, uh, beloved, if God so loved us, we are also to love one another. Very similar phrasing there. What's he talking about here? Um, I, uh, I, I, I loved, uh, uh, I, had a, I had a Uncle Bobby. His name was Uncle Bobby Sterling. He was my uncle, and I loved him to death. He was quite a character. He always had things that he, he always said things in a certain way, and uh, he was just a real good guy. And uh, my Uncle Bobby got cancer. And uh, before he passed away, uh, he, he, uh, he got saved. But uh, he passed away at the age of 56 with cancer. But me and his son, my cousin Calvin, were talking the other day about all the different things that my Uncle Bobby would tell us. And he would say things to us and say phrases to us and tell us things in such a way. He always had a way of wording things that just stick with us. And so many of the statements he made have stuck to us, with us over the years. One such statement with this. Anytime I was having trouble with something, I thought, I, I thought that I couldn't do something, my Uncle Bobby would come up to me and he'd say, Brett, you can do anything any other man can do. If another man can do it, you can do it. And the man that stuck with me. Man, that's a profound statement right there. If another man can do it, I can do it. We used, to stay, we used to say stuff like that when we were kids. Anything you can do, I can do better. You know, we used to say stuff like that as kids. And, and you know, just, and this reminds me of, of, of Christ. 
We might not can love better than Christ, but we can definitely love like him because he gave us the ability. He's commanding us to do it. And if he's commanding us to do it, that means we have the ability to do it. What what is he saying in this verse? He is saying in this verse, he is saying he is so much high exalted above us. Christ is so much higher than us. I don't, me and you can't conceive with our human finite minds how far above us Christ is. And if Christ is so far above us and he can look down on us who are inferior to him and who are unworthy, then guess what that means? If, if, if he can do that and love us, then me and you ought to be able to love people on our own level. If he can look so down and look us, we're inferior inferior and we're unworthy, but yet he still loves us, then me and you should be that easier for us to love people that are on our same level. You know what else he's saying here? Jesus is saying, hey, Christian, the object of my love should be the object of your love. Here's what that means. Talking to Jesus. I know you love me. He says, I'm Jesus. I know you love me, Christian, and I love you. But you know what? I also love him. So because I love him, you should love him. I know you love me, but I love him. So therefore, you should love him. The object of my love should be the object of your love. Okay? I love my mother-in-law, but if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't love my mother-in-law. Now, I know that sounds funny, and when I wrote that statement down, I kind of chuckled myself. Uh, but in all honesty, and because I do record this and post it, I'm talking to you, Miss Glorianne. Uh, in all honesty, I am blessed with a great mother-in-law. I love her to death. I really drew the long straw on that one. Uh, I could not ask for a better mother-in-law than Miss Glorianne. Did you hear that? I'm talking to you. Um, But at the same time, the statement's still true. If I didn't love my wife, I never would have loved Miss Lorianne. But because I love my wife, I love her. Now, in the same way, Miss Lorianne loves her daughter. But if I would have never had the love, if if, if her daughter would have never loved me, then guess what? Miss Lorianne would have never loved me. So my love for my wife... And her love for her daughter has brought a love for me and her. So what is this? What I'm basically saying is the love of one person brought two strangers together to love each other. And that's what a church is. A church is a house full of strangers that love each other. And eventually we didn't become strangers anymore. But some of you, I didn't know you, do I met you here? But that's what the love of Christ does. The love of Christ is our motivation, is our motive for love. Because Christ loves you, I should love you. Oh, but, but God, Jesus, you don't know what, what, he, what they said about me. They, they mistreated me. They said something really bad about me behind my back. If I love them, 
you should love them. Oh, but God, they hurt me. They hurt me so bad. They were gossiping about me and uh, they did something. They, uh, they, they said a cross word to me the other day and, and it hurt my feelings, Lord. Don't you know they hurt my feelings? And Jesus looks down and he says, if I love them, you should love them. Because Christ's love brings us together. You know the old Judd song? Love can build a bridge. I'm not going to sing the rest of it. Uh, you'd be running out of here. But hey, love it. Christ's love is like that. Christ's love can build a bridge. Is a, Christ's love is a bridge builder this morning. So first we have the measure of love has changed. Next we have the motive of love. That's changed too. But what's the third thing that's changed of, of Christ's love? The third thing that's changed is the mark of love. The mark of love. Let's read verse number 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. I want to tell you this morning, our Christ-like love for each other is our badge of discipleship, and it sets us apart. It sets us apart from everybody else. It's our badge of discipleship. Back in Bible days, the Jews were known. You, you could tell a Jew from everybody else. They were known by their external rites and their traditions. They were also known by their dress. A military man, you could tell a military man apart also. A military man, not only was he, not know, was he known by his dress, but he was also known by his mannerisms and his speech. He spoke different. He acted different than everybody else. And you could tell that, there was a, that he was a military man. A philosopher would have some other distinction, and you could tell a philosopher from everybody else. But you know what set the Christians apart? What set the Christians apart was our tender affection towards each other. That was our badge of discipleship. That was how people knew who we were because uh, we, were be, we were distinguished by our tender and constant attachment to each other. Hey, Christians were not to be known by wealth. Christians are not to be known by learning. Christians are not to be known by fame. Hey, you know what? Hey, color didn't matter. Rank didn't matter. Country didn't matter. Sect didn't matter. Office didn't matter. None of that mattered. Why? Because Christ's love is without distinction. Christ's love is without distinction. He loves me just as much as he loves you. He loves a rich man as much as he loves a poor man. He loves a deacon in the church as much as he loves a murderer. Christ's love is without distinction. That's how his love is. Verse 35, it says this, By this shall all men know. Well, who is all men? It says, By this shall all men know. Who is all men? Okay, number one, you shall know. You shall know. Uh, this act of love, this act of brotherly love, were to show for each other. It will show evidence in our own life, that we, have passed from, that we have passed from death to life. It will show us that the act of grace has began to work in our heart. It will show us that we belong to God. It will show us that we're a Christian. It will show us that. 
All right, uh, look, uh, if you, you have 1 John 4, Mark, turn to it now. 1 uh, John 4, 1 John 4, you have that, Mark, go ahead and turn to it. We're going to start reading verse number 7, and we're going to read all the way to verse number 13, because all this has to do with what I'm talking about. Uh, 1 John 4, starting in verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. Look at that again. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. One proof to you that you are a child of God. One proof to you that you are saved. One proof to you that you know that you're on your way to heaven is a love you have for your brother or sister in Christ. That is a proof. It's not the only proof, but that is a proof. A proof that you know that you're saved and you know that the Holy Spirit is in you and God works in your life. One proof of that is the love you have for your brother or sister in Christ. And if you have that love, that is a proof to you that Jesus dwells in your heart. The Holy Spirit indwells your body and you have a home in heaven one day. By this shall all men know who is all men. Number one, you are all men. You shall know. And number two, your brethren shall know. Skip down to verse number 20 in 1 John 4. Verse number 20 and 21. If any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Your love for your brethren is proof to them that you belong to him. My love to you proves to you that I am a child of God. My love to you proves to you that the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Look back at verse number 20. It says, he is a liar. You know what that means? That's talking about someone with a false profession. Someone says they're a child of God. Someone says they're saved. Someone says they're a part of the family of God, but yet they don't have love for the brethren. It may be because they're a liar and they have a false profession of faith. They're not really saved. They're not really part of the family. They're not really a child of God because love for the brethren is proof of that. And if you don't have that proof, well, then you might not, you might not be saved. Maybe you have a false profession of faith. And then it makes a statement that says his brother whom he hath seen. God makes a, a logical assumption here. Uh, he makes a logical statement and he says, if you can't even love your brother who you have seen 
and you see him and you talk to him and he knows you exist and you can run up and touch him and run back so you know he's really there. He's not a phantasm. He's not a figment of your imagination. If you can love him who you can see, if you can't love him who you can't see, how in the world can you love a God that you've never seen before? How in the world can you love a God that you've never touched? How in the world can you love a God that you've never spoken to? How in the world can you love a God you've never laid eyes on? How can you love a God you've never seen if you can't love your brother or your sister who you see all the time? It's a very logical argument. Who, hey, who's going to know? Number one, you're going to know. Number two, your brethren are going to know talking about a badge of discipleship and what this love, what it shows the world, what it shows everybody. Number three, the world will know you're a Christian. It will show the world. Turn back to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, one chapter back, first, the very first verse of that chapter. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Let me tell you something. The world knows we are different because it does not understand us. The world does not understand me and you. They do not understand our principles. They do not understand our conduct. They don't understand why we do what we do. They cannot understand our source of joy. They cannot understand our source of comfort. When they go to a funeral, the whole world ends. But when me and you go to a funeral, me and you can go to a funeral and know that that person is saved and in heaven and we can have comfort that they can't conceive of. We can have comfort that they don't know, know about. We can have joy that they don't know. You know what the world sees us as? The world sees us as fanatics. The world sees us as, as well, we miss out on the happinesses of life that they experience because they don't understand where we get our joy from. Oh, you know, I'm going to go out. Uh, uh, they don't go out and get drunk like us on the weekends. Hey, man, they don't know what we're They don't know what they're missing. Yes, we do. You have temporary happiness. But guess what I have? I have joy. I have joy that springs eternal that you can't take away from me because happiness is temporary and joy is eternal and joy. Joy only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this morning, they say, oh, they're missing out. No, we're not missing out. We're not the ones that are missing out. They're the ones that are missing out. And you know what this difference is? This difference of love. The difference that when we have love for each other and we love each other more than we love ourselves, this difference will not only separate us from them. It's going to separate us. We're going to be different. We're going to be looked at as outcasts. We're going to be looked at like we're weird. Or we're going to be looked at like we're awkward. And then they don't understand what we're coming from. Hey, but you know what that will do? That love we have for each other will not only separate us from the world, but here's what else it will do. It will bring those out of the world thirsting for that love. A love they don't understand, but they want it. Man, I don't understand how those Christians at that church can love each other like that. I don't understand it. But I want it. I want a part of it. I want to experience it. Man, if, if I, don't, I, don't, I don't know love like that. 
I see the way they talk to each other and I see the way they act and I see what they'll do for each other and how they'll help each other out before they help themselves. And man, I don't have anybody like that in my own family. But they're like that up at that church house. I don't understand how they could live like that. But I want it. And it will that our love for each other will draw out those who are thirsty for that type of love. I've got some questions I want to ask you this morning. Here's question number one. Are you using yourself to measure the amount of love you give your brother? Because if you are, your measuring stick is broken. Your measuring stick is outdated. Man, it doesn't take long for an iPhone to get outdated. Man, you spend $900 on an iPhone and six months later it's out of date. But you know what? Jesus is our new measuring stick. And if you're using yourself to measure, if you won't do anything for someone else that you wouldn't do for yourself, if you're saying, I, I would only do this for them, but, you know, uh, uh, but I still, I, I'm not going to do that because I've got to go over here and do this. And I know they need me to help them, but I have to pay this bill. I know they need me to be there and help them and show up, but I've got an appointment that I have to keep that I've been trying to get because you love yourself more than you love them. Jesus changed the measuring stick. We're to love each other more than we love ourselves. And here's my second question this morning. What's your motivation for love? Jesus is saying this is what your motivation should be. I love him, so you should love him. But God, he, he, he mistreated me. I love him, so you should love him. But Jesus, she said something last week at church that hurt my feelings. I love her, so you should love her. That's our motivation for love, not what the other person does for us. I don't love you because you did something good for me. I don't love you because you complimented me. I don't love you because you gave me a $5 bill the other day. That's not the reason why I love you. I love you because Jesus loves you. And I don't dislove you because you hurt my feelings. Maybe you didn't even realize it. Maybe you said something the other week and it hit me the wrong way and you weren't intending to hurt my feelings, but you did. Does that give me a reason to not love you anymore? No. Jesus loves you, so I should love you. And that's our motivation for love this morning. And then here's my final question to you this morning. What's on your badge? What's on your badge? What's your mark? Is the mark of your discipleship that Christ-like love that we all share? Because Christ-like love is a badge of discipleship that lets the world, it lets your Christian brethren, and it lets you know that you are a child of God. So what are you going to do with this badge? Are you going to hide it? Or are you going to wear it proudly? Man, I'd wear it proudly because our Christian-like brotherly love is our badge of discipleship. And I want to wear that. Jesus tells us many things. But what I want to tell you this morning, one thing that he told me and you we should do for each other, he said these words. He said, love one another. 
Every head bowed, every eye closed. Man, Jesus made this statement and he changed everything. He changed the whole world. It was a game changer. It, 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 it revolutionized love. But man, it's a big part of being a Christian. How we treat each other, how we talk to each other, how we should act towards each other. Jesus said those words. He said, love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. In just a minute, I'm going to pray. When I get done praying, we'll stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The invitation will begin. When that music starts to play, I want you to do business with God. Whether in your pew or at this altar, you do business with God this morning. And you tell the Lord, you come to him and you tell them that you want to start loving your brother or sister in Christ just like he commanded. He told us how he wanted us to love like a, like a father that was on his deathbed. And he wanted his children to take care of each other after he was gone out of this world. That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus was looking at his deathbed and he wanted to tell his disciples how to treat each other once he was gone. And by extension, how we should treat each other today. Do you love like Christ loved? Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for all you've done for me, for all you've done for the people in this building, for what you've done for us as a church. Lord, I pray for the invitation that's about to take place. Lord, I, 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 I did what you told us, told me to do. We went through the Bible today. We talked about Scripture. Lord, we looked at some principles and aspects of Christ-like love. But now it's up to us to apply that. Help us as Christians to apply to our lives the principles of love that you have showed us from your book today. For I ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name I pray. Amen. Please stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed as the music begins to play. You do what the Lord has laid on your heart.